Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and welcome to part three of three on our misdiagnoses. And I mentioned last time when we concluded a statement that I think is very true. There's no single perfect phase for imaging renal masses. There's no single phase that will show every single mass and give us all the information we need. And so each of these phases has importance, and that, of course, included the non-contrast phase we spoke about at the end of last talk. Again, the key thing in this era where we're trying to be very careful on radiation dose is to figure out what phases we definitely need and what we don't need. You need as many phases as you need to get the diagnosis, but no additional phases. Let's go back and first look at stone protocols for a moment. I think it's very important to understand what a stone protocol says and what it doesn't say. Basically, the stone protocol is, is there a stone or not? And if there's a stone, is it obstructing? If you do a stone protocol in a hematuria patient and you don't see a stone, the patient could still have a renal tumor. Obviously, in a non-contrast CT, you'll see a lot of the larger tumors, and you may see secondary signs of pyelonephritis, but you can easily miss pyelonephritis. You can easily miss many renal masses. And so I'm always concerned when we speak to the ER and the patient has hematuria, if you do a stone protocol, be very careful to say what that stone protocol is saying. The stone protocol is not saying that it's a normal study. And I'm always concerned that they walk away and think that there is a normal study. Remember, non-contrast scans will miss small tumors, especially when they don't change the renal contour, polynephritis, and even vascular lesions. So here's an example of a case. Stone protocol, where's the mass? Well, you don't see a mass. But sure enough, you give IV contrast, there's an obvious mass in the right kidney. And yes, you can see the mass in the right kidney here arterially, and you see it better on the excretory phase. But in retrospect, look how there's no way you're ever going to see the non-contrast scan. Again, you can argue here what's better, the arterial or the venous, but in both phases or delayed phase, you would see the lesion, but the non-contrast, you do not see the lesion. Remember that point. Another example, look at the right kidney. This is an incidental finding. And remember, 70% of renal cell carcinomas were incidental findings. But look at the right kidney. I'll give you the left kidney. Where's the mass? Do you see anything in the right kidney? Let me circle an area for you. Does that bother you at all? If you look really hard, there's the most subtle changes on that arterial phase image. And when you look at a coronal view, which sometimes helps, you can see there's something funny centrally. But again, there's no perfusion changes. There's no mass effect. But look what happens on excretory phase imaging. Look how obvious that almost two centimeter renal cell cancer is. So easy to see. I think in terms of lesion detection, the key phases are arterial for vascular lesions and for determining vascularity, and then the excretory or delayed phase. You have both of the phases, you're always gonna pick up, I would say, every single renal mass and be able to classify them correctly. And here's that same case with the coronal view, very easy to see. I also make the point, in this case shows nicely a coronal view, but the image display format is so important. Sometimes things are so hard to appreciate on axial imaging and they're so easy to miss or not miss on a coronal view. So here's an example of a case. Look at the left kidney. Look at three o'clock, there's a lesion there and it's easy to miss. Okay, you follow the cortex around, you shouldn't miss it, I agree but it's easy to miss. But if you looked only at the coronal, it's impossible to miss that mass projected off the kidney. And so you have to always routinely look at the coronal images when you look at the kidney. Something so hard to see becomes oh so obvious. And this is seen time and time again, particularly in the kidney.
Or in this example, this was read as a normal CT of the kidney. And if you look at the right kidney, that looks like the upper pole. But when you look at the coronal view, it is the upper pole, but it's an upper pole cancer. Things at the upper or lower poles, I mentioned this with the stomach before, upper and lower part of the scans are very easy to miss because your eye gets fooled. When you look at the coronal view, it's not the upper and lower part of the kidney. You're seeing the entire kidney. And you're picking up this 3 centimeter clear cell renal cell carcinoma. Again, be very careful when you're looking at axial imaging. You just really have to go to the coronal. People often say, well, if I have a question, I go to the coronal. But in this case, the person reading the study never had a question. They just simply blew that lesion. So again, very, very important. Now, we also talk about things like the mesenteric vasculature. If you don't look at the sagittal views, you're going to miss impressive amounts of pathology. And that's even in the most experienced reader's hands. On this one study we did a number of years back, mesenteric, the mesenteric lesions identified resulted in a change of patient management in 15% of subjects. We weren't talking about misses that are like an accessory right hepatic or simple things like that. We're talking about significant pathology. Changes that median awkward ligament in a preoperative patient. We're talking about ischemia. We're talking about infarct. We're talking about vascular abnormalities. It's hard to see things only on the axial view. And in that article by Chen, made the point that you need to look at the full data set. And 3D is great, but if you can't do 3D, at least look at the sagittal views. When you think about the mesenteric vessels like the SMA and the celiac, the sagittal view gives you the best look at the vessel, particularly its origin, but also lets you look at long segments of the vessels. And so ischemia is an important fact. 60 to 75% of bowel ischemia cases are due to arterial mesenteric occlusion, which can be due to arterial embolization or just arterial thrombosis. Arterial embolism is usually in the mid-vessel and proximally is due to thrombosis. And look at the examples, and here's what I see as the mistake. You look at the axial imaging and the SMA or celiac look perfect, and you follow it a bit, and that's the end of the story. Well, look at this case. When you look at the patient's SMA, it looks perfect. There's not even any plaque in the aorta. It looks great. But only when you look at the sagittal views, whether it's sagittal or 3D sagittal, you see this obvious thrombus in the patient's SMA. And you can see when you do the 3D imaging, the very obvious acute occlusion is nicely seen. And I've edited it a little bit more. Look how easy it is to see. But notice how easy it is to miss. It's very, very important. You need to make sure you look at the entire vessel. In case of ischemia, I've seen that error many times. People tend to look at the proximal vessel and they kind of think they've seen the vessel, but they really haven't. So I emphasize two different reports. The SMA was evaluated and no evidence of thrombus or stenosis was seen versus the report the SMA was evaluated and no thrombus or stenosis was seen. However, distal aspects of the SMA beyond the proximal 5CM are not well-defined that cannot be evaluated. That's often what you're doing. You're not looking at the entire vessel. You can't assume that because you don't see a thrombus that a thrombus is not present unless you see the entire vessel. Most of the time, you'll get away with it, but every once in a while, this is a legal case I've seen. Uh, someone showed me, and this patient had abdominal pain, there's dilated bowel, and you have to worry about ischemia, it's an older patient. But you look at the SMA and the SMV, they look fine. 
But when you track the SMA a bit lower, you notice that there's no flow. But it's hard to see. It's not the greatest study. It's not the best injection. There are many excuses. But look at the coronal view. Look at the occlusion in the patient's SMA when you look carefully. And I'll show it to you again. Look at the axials. You see how when you just do it right, SMA looks great proximally. There's no plaque, but distally it's occluded. And these were thick sections, but when I did the reconstructions anyway, look at the sagittal, look at that obvious occlusion. This patient died, there was a big lawsuit. Easy to miss, no doubt about it, but if you looked at and were compulsive looking at the sagittal view, you would have seen it. And this midline sagittal view is great for a number of things. It's great for SMA syndrome. It's great for any vascular stenosis, median ocular ligament syndrome, because you see the stenosis of the patient's celiac, but it's a fish hook configuration with post-stenotic dilatation. And you see the median ocular ligament pushing there. It's critical in cancer staging when you're looking at vessel encasement, when you're you know, you're looking at pancreatic cancer, for example. For mesenteric aneurysms and collaterals, is very helpful. Though, in truth, for um, collaterals, the more of the um, anterior approach, the anterior perspective, the coronal view, is going to be a little bit more helpful. Now, in speaking about sagittal views, that leads us to the last topic, which is bone and soft tissue pathology. And it's very common, we've always mentioned, that pathology may be overlooked, and it's often an edge-of-the-film diagnosis, and often is not part of the initial presentation. The other thing is axial imaging is limited in spine evaluation. So solutions are, that's the problems, pay attention to bone and soft tissue imaging. Every case, look at the bones even quickly. Critical to look at sagittal reconstructions, whether it's on the PAC system or off the scanner, you have to do that. You look at this case and you say, okay, back pain, I didn't see a pancreatic mass, I don't see an aneurysm, I don't see a dissection, I don't see a bleed. But the spine looks okay, but look at the sagittal. It's not so okay. There's the L1 vertebral body, it's collapsed. That was the cause of the patient's pain. Excellent article on this topic by Carberry this year. Most clinically important vertebral body compression fractures in non-trauma patients at risk for low bone mineral density may go unreported at abdominal CT if sagittal reconstructions are not routinely evaluated. In their series, vertebral body compression fracture was not found in 84% of cases. It just wasn't looked at. So again, takeaway message. Looking at the chest, you're looking at the abdomen, always look at the sagittal views at the bony structures. Make sure there's no collapsed vertebral bodies. It may be very critical. Once in a while you pick up tumors and metastasis or primaries for that matter, but usually it relates to degenerative change and vertebral body collapse, which can be causing significant symptoms for the patient. Now, one of the things we've commented on or kind of danced around is the point that more phases often make things easier for ourselves. But in a radiation-sensitive time, we need to be very careful. It's important to minimize the dose to our patients. That's our highest priority. But we need to be very careful that either the low-dose protocols don't impact lesion detection because the images are so noisy, you can't see the pathology, or that we're not doing the right protocols. If you're not doing arterial phase imaging when looking at the kidney or looking at the liver or looking at the pancreas, you're going to miss a significant number of lesions. And although multiphase acquisition is not always necessary. In many cases, it is. And you need to have your protocols designed to know when it's necessary. Understand the clinical history. Understand what needs to be done. I always make the point that the best way of reducing radiation dose to a patient is doing the study right the first time. 
A bad study leads to another bad study and another bad study and increased radiation dose. Very, very important. Other things, you need to be aware of the pitfalls in general to help avoid the pitfalls. If you know to look at the lower lungs for pulmonary embolism, you're not going to miss it. If you need to look at the duodenum, if you need to look carefully at the liver with MIP imaging. Again, I can't overemphasize, you have to get away from axial imaging only. No, do not use coronals and sagittals or 3D for problem cases only. What you miss is a problem case, and often you miss things when you assume you read them correctly. Again, the future will hopefully bring new workflow patterns to us. New capabilities on the workstation will be very, very important. But unfortunately, that's going to be a whiles away unless someone like Apple or Amazon or Facebook decide to get into medical imaging. And although that's a possibility, I probably would not uh, put my money on that. And with that, hopefully I've shown you in the last three lectures the potential problems with misdiagnosis, how easy it is to do, and how you need to be very, very careful. Misdiagnosis can happen in any and every case. There's no free pass, but again, hopefully I've gone over some of the ways of thinking about things, some strategies, and some ways of avoiding these pitfalls. And with that, I thank you very much for your attention.